I say this, and I'm not alone in saying it, that Ecclesiastes chapter 3, in a very real way, is the Romans chapter 8 of the entire Old Testament. It's, it's the chapter in the Old Testament that says God has a plan. God is king. God is sovereign. Nobody can stop God from doing what God is doing. God has a plan. He's got get this. Beautiful. That's what Solomon says. Not me. He says it's a beautiful plan. You can sense it in the poetry. That's why we love the poem. It's a beautiful plan. God has a beautiful plan. But the, but the, but the thing is, we can't see it. So what we have to do The following is a sermon from Peace Lutheran, a church located in downtown Aiken, South Carolina. For more information and for more content, go to peaceinaiken.com. Our scripture for today comes from Ecclesiastes chapter 3, and we're going to crown this church year off. We're looking forward to Advent next week. Here's what Solomon the great wise man says to us, There is a time for everything and a season for every activity under the heavens. A time to be born and a time to die. A time to plant and a time to uproot. A time to kill and a time to heal. A time to tear down and a time to build. A time to weep and a time to laugh. A time to mourn and a time to dance. A time to scatter stones and a time to gather them. A time to embrace and a time to refrain from embracing. A time to search and a time to give up. A time to keep and a time to throw away. A time to tear and a time to, to mend. A time to be silent and a time to speak. A time to love and a time to hate. A time for war and a time for peace. What do workers gain from their toil? I have seen the burden God has laid on the human race. He has made everything beautiful in its time. He, also, he has also set eternity in the human heart. Yet no one can fathom what God has done from beginning to end. I know that there is nothing better for people than to be happy and to do good while they live, that each of them may eat and drink and find satisfaction in all their toil. This is the gift of God. I know that everything God does will endure forever. Nothing can be added to it and nothing taken from it. God does it so that people will fear him. Whatever is, has already been. And what will be, has been before. And God will call the past to account. This is God's word. I don't know if you know this, but uh, Solomon, he holds quite the distinction he sits in the company of Adele, Justin Bieber, and The Weeknd. 
pretty exclusive company. Adele's in there very recently for a song that just came out called Easy On Me. Justin Bieber for a song called Stay. And The Weeknd for a song called Blinding Lights. What is it? They all landed in the Billboard Top Hot 100 Hits. It happened like this. Solomon's poem got ripped wholesale out of the Bible. Singer, folk singer by the name of Peter Seeger took it, added seven little words to it, just seven, and made a song. Then another group called the Birds took Seeger's lyrics, reset it to a new tune, and it went straight to the top. Solomon holds the distinction of being the oldest writer to ever make it into the top 100 of the billboard. He's quite the writer of lyrics. Peter Seeger, I'm not quite so sure. He thought pretty highly of himself. He actually took royalties for the lyrics that he had written, even though he only wrote seven of the words. And six of them I'm not quite so sure about. If you listen to the song, he tags on one little line. The line goes like this. Right after the word peace in the poem, he writes... I swear, it's not too late. When he does this, he effectively does two things. The first thing he does is he takes Solomon's poem and he turns it into a war protest. Some of you might remember that the song came out around the time of the Vietnam War. He takes the song, he turns it into a war protest, and that's the second thing that he does is he distorts the meaning of the poem. The poem is nothing of the sort. The poem actually claims a time for both war and peace, so I'm not so quite so sure about six of his words. But I am certain about the seventh. He added the word turn. If he distorts the meaning of the poem with his first six words, he gets it exactly right with the seventh. Turn. That's what time does. It turns. Turn. That's what seasons do. They turn. Everything in life, it turns. War and peace and healing and and killing and, and laughing and mourning. It turns. It turns. This, that, it turns life. It always Turns, Peter Seeger says, turn, turn, turn. I want to take you through Solomon's counsel about what to do about this turning. And I want to try to hang it on Peter Seeger's words, turn. Solomon tells you to do three things about the way that things always turn. First, you turn down. Second, you turn in. Third, you turn up. The first thing that Solomon tells you to do is turn down. 
We're not talking about something that you do with your bed. What we're talking about is your own sense of agency. The sense of control that you have in your life. The very first thing that Solomon gives you after he gives you the poem is he gives you a question. He asks this question, what can the worker do with all of his labor? What can you change when it comes to all the seasons and the times of life? What can you do? Not much. What are you going to do about the time you were born? Climb back, climb back inside your mama? What are you going to do? What are you going to do if you don't like it that it's fall right now? Skip ahead to the spring? What are you going to do? Times and seasons, they happen to you. Whether you like it or not. That's the way that life is. It happens to you. Most of it. Whether you like it or not. If you're not there yet, look at the poem. It'll get you there. I stand here with a biblical commentator, a guy by the name of Walter Kaiser, who says that while this happens to be one of the most famous poems in the Bible, it's also one of the least well understood. It's different than the poem Psalm 23 in that way. People know that. It's one of the most famous poems in the Bible. They also understand it. This one, not quite so much. This poem is not advice for your life. It is a proclamation. Life is not what you make it out to be. Life is not what you choose it to be. Life is not chance and life is not fate. Life is according to God's plan. Look at the poem. It starts with your birth and with your death. You didn't choose it. You don't get to. The dates that are going to end up on your tombstones, you don't get to pick it. It's unchosen. It happens to you. There's a time for it. Your life from beginning to end is in God's hands. The rest of it is too. The rest of the poem, it takes in all the rest of life. You enter it and all of a sudden, Solomon says, you don't get to pick whether you're in a time of healing or whether you're in a time of killing. You don't. You don't get to pick your relationships either. Not really. People are born at the same time you are. You bump into them. Some of them are having a good day and some of them are having a bad day and you just experience most of it. This is how it is. All your emotions are the same way. Stuff happens to you. You don't get to pick whether you go to a funeral. You don't get to pick whether you go to the hospital. You cry or you laugh. You mourn. Or your joy, it happens to you. Solomon says that goes for the big stuff in life. It also, happens, goes, it also happens to you in the little stuff in life. That's exactly what Solomon says. Some of you think that you picked what's in your kitchen. You didn't. I watch HTV too. There's a time for gathering certain kinds of stones, and then there's a kind for throwing some away. You know how it works. Granite is in. 
And then all of a sudden, it's marble. Ten years later, you build your perfect kitchen. It's just the way you want it. You walk in 15 years later and you say, this is the ugliest thing I've ever seen in my life. You think you picked your kitchen. You didn't. The times did. You think you, pay, you picked those high-waisted pants. You didn't. That happened to you. There's a time for mending and there's a time to tear it up. You know how it works, even with the fashions. Your life from beginning to end, it happens to you. You do not pick when you live. You do not pick when you die. You don't pick your relationships. You don't pick whether it's a time of healing. You don't even pick the granite in your kitchen. Life happens to you. So what we do about that is we turn down our sense of agency. But we don't turn it off. We turn it down. We don't turn it off. There's wisdom here from Solomon. What we do when we realize most of life is above it is we realize we don't get to pick the seasons that we live in. But what we can do is live in those seasons. So you may not plant corn in the fall, but you will in the spring. This is how life works. You live inside the seasons in which God places you. Sometimes that means you don't wear a mustache because you know what everybody thinks about that these days. Other times it means you're like a shepherd. You understand that when it comes to one sheep, that the time is there when you want to mend it and you heal it. But then later down the line with the same sheep, you realize there's also a time to slit its throat. And both are acts of mercy. There is a time to heal and a time to kill. The same man can go off to war and he uses his hands to pull a trigger and then he comes home on the GI Bill and he uses it to become a doctor and he uses the same hands to heal people. Same man. Different seasons. Contradictory actions. Both correct. You live in the seasons in which you have been placed when it comes to the things that are beyond your control. But there are some things that are under your control. And Solomon gives that to you too. We can't control much, but we can control this. How we respond and what we do. That's what Solomon says. We can't control much. Most of life, it just happens to you, but we can control this. What's, what's under control is enjoying our lives and doing good. That we can do. We can't control as a church that we live in a time of massive cultural change. But you know what we can do? Enjoy 
being a stronghold amidst it. We can't control the fact that we do not live in a time of union. We actually live in a time of fracturing and hostility and even hatred. Can't control it. But what we can do is we can love and give truth to every person that we meet. The theologian Reinhold Niebuhr summed this up in a very famous prayer. He asked God to help him accept the things that he cannot control. To change, to have the courage to change the things that he can. And to have the wisdom to know the difference. Turn your agency down, way down. But not off. And then... Turn in. Niebuhr, in his prayer, said we need to accept the things that we can't change. That's the hard part. Solomon named it before he did. Solomon, in reflecting on God's plan, said that it's a burden on us. He said the burden works like this. God has placed inside of every human being eternity. We have eternity in our hearts. Yet, here's the problem. Nobody, nobody can grasp what God has done from beginning to end. That's the burden. We have this longing, God has placed it into us, this this ache that we understand how everything that is going on out there fits like a a jigsaw puzzle under God to create this perfect picture. We long to see the picture, but we can't. And it aches us. Especially because we understand so much. We look at God's creation and we see how beautiful it is. We agree with Solomon. Solomon says that God has made everything beautiful in its time. The sunset and that perfect autumn tree that that flashed by in the corner of your eye on the way to church. Everything God has made it beautiful in his time. We see that. We even understand the creation on some sort of academic level, right? We, we have the hard sciences of, of physics and we've, we're grasping some of these things. We've got the periodic table. We do experiments. We start to grasp the creation on some kind of academic level. We even grasp it on some kind of theological level that God has a destiny for the world and that it is, in fact, all summed up in Christ. We understand that. But still... We want to see the whole picture. We are left with this ache, this unquenchable thirst. We want to understand how our lives fit like a perfect, beautiful piece in the puzzle that is God's plan. But we can't. There's a morning this past summer when I experienced that enigma 
myself. We went over to see some family over on Lake Murray, moved down from D.C. And so it was our first summer visiting them on the lake. We went on a Friday night. If you've never had a chance to do it, you've got to do it. There's this amazing island called Bomb Island in Lake Murray. Bomb Island is very famous for the purple martins that come and roost on the island in the summer. Over a million birds. They all take off at the same time at dawn. So we get in the boat, we go out to Bomb Island. The sun is just about to rise. All of a sudden we hear the whirring of hundreds of thousands of wings. I'm telling you, I thought that I was living in planet Earth. It was so miraculous. It was one of the most incredible experiences of my life to see life and life and more life, God's glorious majesty of life everywhere around me. And then the enigma hit. I was the only guy in the boat to get bird bombed. <laughs> they, it wasn't an enigma to everybody else. They said it was because I had the head that was easiest to clean. <laughs> I didn't agree. So we go back to the house. Our hearts are still stirring with the glory of it. I got my little puppy, little four or five pound dog. I put her on the ground. You know how they are. The little ones, they all think they're bigger than they are. She starts playing too hard. All of a sudden, I hear a scream. Not a yelp, a scream. I know what it is. I'm not a vet, but I knew. I took one look at her leg, and it was busted completely in half. Nobody's fault. It just happened. I scoop her up. I put her in my arm. I say, Melanie, we got to go to the animal hospital. This thing is broken. We get in the car. Her little body's quaking in the crook of my arm. And then it hits me, my second enigma. I say to my wife, why? Why? How is this a part of the plan? But see, I don't really care that much about dogs. I wanted you to think about your pains. Why? Why? That's the burden. That's the burden. Can you turn in and see that? See, the burden is that God only knows. God only knows. We don't know. God only knows. That's the burden. I heard a story, it was in the national news. I don't know why. It happens a lot. 
Anyway, the story goes like this. Lady gets cancer. She's dying. Nice next-door neighbor comes over. Pleasant lady, no doubt. Was bringing food, just trying to care. She goes up. They start talking. She says to the husband, there's a reason for everything, she says. And the husband answers, yeah, and what is it? That's the enigma. God only knows. Turn in and see that. Because when you do, that's when you'll look up. That's when you'll look up. See, Solomon says that God places this burden on us for a reason. And the reason is so that we'll look up. He says that God does it so that we'll fear Him. So that we'll trust Him. So that we will look up. In fact, that's, that's the whole point of this poem, of this entire section. I say this, and I'm not alone in saying it, that Ecclesiastes chapter 3, in a very real way, is the Romans chapter 8 of the entire Old Testament. It's, it's the chapter in the Old Testament that says God has a plan. God is king. God is sovereign. Nobody can stop God from doing what God is doing. God has a plan. He's got, get this, a beautiful one. That's what Solomon says, not me. He says it's a beautiful plan. You can sense it in the poetry. That's why we love the poem. It's a beautiful plan. God has a beautiful plan. But the, but the, but the thing is, we can't see it. So what we have to do is trust it. That God not only has a right plan. It is right, by the way. God is right. He's righteous. Therefore, everything that He does is righteous. Everything that God does is right. It is good. It's also beautiful. Solomon says. Solomon says that it's aesthetically pleasing, like a, like a sunrise, like, like great friendships or a good drink or deep love. It's not just right. It's beautiful. But you don't get to see it, not yet. All you can do is trust it. It's right for us to think about this on Christ the King Sunday, don't you think? This is a Sunday when we sum it all up. We're summing up this sermon series. We are, we are summing up this church year and we're doing it all in Christ. It is right. What God does is right. We know that in Christ. God has done the righteous thing of saving unrighteous people. He has made us right in the blood of the Lamb. God's plan is right. It's also beautiful. Christ has promised us a new 
beautiful life and his resurrection from the dead. God is doing something right now that is so much more than right. It is beautiful. You can't see it. You can trust it. So please do. Please do. I want to put this in the negative first. You know what this means? Stop yearning for a different life. Stop it. Do you know why you sometimes yearn for a different life? Because you don't know your own life well enough. That's the tension, right? God has a beautiful plan. You're a part of it, but you can't see it right now. All you can do is trust it. Stop yearning for a different life. Not a life that's more exciting or more boring, richer or poorer, quieter or louder, somewhere else or with someone else or something like that. Stop yearning for a different life and instead embrace the life you have. Your life is not a mistake. It is not only right, it is righteous in Christ. But now here's the positive side of it. Trust more powerfully than ever before that God is going to make something beautiful with it. Nobody can stop God. Nobody can add to what he has done and nobody can subtract from it. See, I told you before that what this poetry does is it, is it lowers your sense of agency, but you know what else? When you know what it does to everybody else? The same thing. Seasons happen to everybody. Times happen to everybody except God. Nobody can add to what God has done and nobody can subtract from it. That's true for your own life. I want you to know today that I agree with Solomon. I agree with him. And I am not a man in denial. It wasn't all that long ago when I was sitting in an animal hospital watching animal after animal after animal coming in and I wasn't thinking about the animals. You know what I was thinking? I was thinking about children's hospitals. Ones that I've been in with my own daughter before. I'm not a man in denial. But I am a man of faith. God does not do ugly. He makes beautiful. Think of that in your own life. Go all Ecclesiastes 3 and Romans 8 on it. There is not a time in your life that is outside of God's hands. Not your life and not your death. 
There is not a season where you can be ripped away from what God is doing so beautifully in your life, not the present and not the future. There is not an actor or any kind of agency in all of creation that can take you away from Christ, not an angel and certainly not a demon. Turn, turn, turn. Everything changes. Except one thing. Except for the love of God in Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Let's pray. I thank you, Lord Jesus Christ, for these inspired words from your great, 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 great grandfather, Solomon. We thank you for the wisdom that he shared with us. We ask, Lord, humbly that it would turn us down in our agency, but not off. That it would turn us in so that we might turn up in faith towards you, our God, who in Christ makes everything beautiful forever. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord, we pray. Amen.